Hey guys, today I sit down with my friend Jen as we chat about her personal experience with the question that causes so many of us to stumble, which is why do bad things happen to good people? She is a credible authority on this question and I think this is going to really give you some amazing perspective, so let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around, because we're going to laugh, and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, I am joined here with my friend Jennifer Sienis, and she is an author of several books, and in my opinion, a credible authority on the question, why do bad things happen to good people, which is not necessarily the thing you want to be a credible resource on, right? of course, <laughs> but I just, yeah. I'm going to run through some of these things and okay. you're going to have to elaborate because Absolutely. I'm sure everyone is going to be like, what on actual earth is going on here? But so your daughter had a traumatic brain injury from yes. a car accident. Yes. Your son was sexually abused. Yes. At what age? 12. 12 years old. Your husband left you yes. after 23 years of marriage. Yes, of marriage. Your mother died in the midst of that divorce yes. of leukemia. Correct. Who you were very close with. Yes. Your brother committed suicide, and he was a Christian. And he was a Christian, which is important. Yes, and complicated. To point out. Yes, absolutely. Very complicated. <laughs> Am I missing any, anything? Oh, I think. I think that covers most yeah, of it. Yeah, and the fact that we're even <laughs> able to giggle and I laugh know, about it really. is really quite telling. So tell us a little bit about this lengthy season oh. of trial. Okay, so where do I start? Indeed. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, be- I really believe when my son was sexually abused, and we did not find out until 10 years later. Oh, right. We didn't know that it was like the enemy got a foothold into our home. Mm. Things just went sideways and strange and... And he was acting out, <clears throat> as you can imagine. I didn't know what the deal was. He was um, he talked about suicide sometimes. Wow. I, his, all of a sudden, he went from being a straight-A student with all these friends, and now all these same friends were turning on him. He mm. couldn't get his homework from home to school without losing it. He was just Which, all this happens at 12-year-olds exactly. sometimes anyway. So. I thought, okay, hormones, right? right. It's just a change. <laughs> um, he didn't say anything about it. I wanted to get him into counseling. In fact, I took him a couple times. My ex-husband was not on board with that. Mm. Christopher didn't seem to care. So I, I, now I regret that I went ahead and let that slide. But things just started happening. So Christopher acted out. He was down at the, the uh, middle or the um, elementary school near where we lived, and he was with a group of friends. And he just went off. He was angry. He vandalized. He was arrested. Oh wow! Yes, he was arrested. And, and what age was it? He was fourteen. Oh my goodness gracious! He'd been carrying that around. So they wanted to put him in juvenile hall, and it was a nightmare for us. Um, it, right after that happened, though, he was skateboarding. 
near our house. Okay, this okay, there is more to this actually. So he was skateboarding down this hill, hit a rock, oh. took a tumble, had two skull fractures, it was a metaphlighted to the hospital. Oh my gosh. Yes. In the midst of this right after he vandalized the school. Oh my goodness. Right before we had to go see a lawyer, in the middle of all this, he had was metaphlighted with two skull fractures. Wow. He was showing off for some little Japanese exchange students down the bottom of the hill that were at the church there. Of course. Yeah. As boys will do. Yes. And so um Things just got went from bad to worse. And then the following year, my daughter, Nicole, um, was on her way to school. She, she was in college at 17. Oh, wow. And so she was on her way to school. So she's the oldest. She's the oldest. And she had just turned seven or 18. She had just turned 18 on her way for finals at the week before Christmas. And she was in a car accident, was T-boned, oh. um, was metaflighted to a neurosurgery unit down in um, Sacramento. We were up in the um, Amador County. If you're from California, you yeah. kind of know that area. So she was metaphlighted in a coma, woke up on Christmas Day, could not walk, talk, could not swallow, could not think, could wow. not do anything. It was like a newborn baby. <clears throat> so that was going on. Oh <laughs> I know we laugh. It's not, I mean, it's, it's, you can laugh now because yeah. Nicole is a doll. I mean, she's graduated, she's married, she's graduated with a bachelor's degree, she's got her master's degree, she's functioning, she does have traumatic brain injury issues, but she's functioning. Sure. So it's, and she loves Jesus. So it really, you know, it all plays out. But um, that following year, everything was getting back to normal, and that's when my husband walked out and said, I haven't loved you for a really long time. I was going to leave you last year, but when Nicole had her accident, I thought maybe I should wait. Oh, my word. Yeah. And then before our divorce was final, my mom passed away. So she had been dealing with leukemia for three years. So with your marriage, did you see that coming? Was that fully out of the blue? It was fully out. In, in hindsight, you know, sure. in hindsight, I could see um, there was some distancing happening. There was a lot of tension. I was working full-time as a teacher. So, um, and, and, and my, my ex-husband worked for a PG&E. He made really good money. I made decent money. And yet we never had money. Mm. He fulfilled himself by buying new things, a new car, a bigger house, mm. more toys. And so I would be in a panic about where this was going to lead eventually. So there was a lot of tension. Sure. But I, I had no idea. When it came out, we went to, I think we went to three counseling sessions. And he, it comes out that he has had wanted to leave me for, um, gosh, probably... 15 years. Oh my gosh. Of 23, 23 years. years of yeah. Marriage. Yeah. So, Ugh. but he just didn't say anything. He just kept it inside. And I don't know where that came from. You know, everyone's broken. We're all broken. If you don't deal with the brokenness, you break other people. Right. You take you with you wherever you go. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so before we, when did your brother when did that happen? Okay, so life goes on. Okay. My brother actually was the one who um, gave me my first Bible. Mm. And he was he was always evangelizing. He was always, and he did missions trips. He did all that. But I started seeing um, a behavior in him that was a little disturbing. And um, he was angry with his wife. He, he kept blaming everything and their issues were all on her fault. He, did, he didn't think she did this well enough or that well enough. It just wasn't my brother. Hmm. And um, he was suffering what they said, the doctor said he was suffering from depression. They put him on medication. And then he committed suicide. So I was remarried by then. 
Okay. So this was in 2000 and <clears throat> 2009, January of 2009, right after his 48th birthday. And I, you know, I was remarried by then. So um, he committed suicide, left five kids behind. Oh, my word. And, um, and, you know, what we found out later is he's got bipolar, had bipolar disorder. Sure. He's got two daughters with bipolar disorder. Oh, wow. My son, turns out, has bipolar disorder. So you start seeing this pattern. Is that a genetic thing? It can be. Okay. Absolutely can be. Yes. Interesting. Yes. That's crazy. So at what point, because I know that you were not always a Christian, at what point does God come into the story? Was he there before all this? After all this? Well, well you know, I, I always went to church. I was raised in the Catholic church. Okay, right. So I, I probably would have said back then I was a Christian, but I don't think I really was. Okay. But I know God was in my life because this is really, this is kind of trippy. So this is really weird. Um, two weeks before my daughter's car accident, mm-hmm. she and I were constantly battling. She was turning 18. She thought she was an adult. She mm. didn't have to give any idea where she was going to be. She could do whatever she wanted. Mm. And so we were constantly, you know, it was a battle. And I was driving to school. And, you know, sometimes you drive and you get somewhere and you don't even realize yes. that you don't remember the drive. Right. It was like that. Oh, no. And I had this kind of daydream. It, I saw, literally saw, myself walking to my vice principal's office and opening her outside door and there was a police officer waiting for me at your school at your job at my school at my job and in this dream this police officer said your daughter was just in a horrific car accident and this is how far two weeks two weeks weeks before so i kind of snapped like a prophetic vision it was it was very creepy it was scary i thought oh my gosh i'm i'm wishing this on my daughter what is wrong with me and I, I felt horrible, and I, and I prayed the rest of my, my drive. I was like, please, Lord, please forgive me. I can't believe I even thought that. What oh a horrible gosh. thing to think. I, please protect my daughter, and I just couldn't. So I had a relationship with God. I just wasn't I see. surrendered to what he wanted, and sure. I don't think I really understood the gospel mes- message as I should have. Okay. So I, I got to school, and I, the whole day it was hard to shake it off. And two weeks later, it was the last day of school before Christmas break, my vice principal comes down, says, um, you're needed up in my office. I'll take care of the kids for you. I didn't think anything of it until I was approaching Stop. that door. And when I opened it up, there was a CHP oh, officer my standing gracious. in there. Said, is your daughter, um, does she drive a blue Saturn? Oh, my gosh. I know. <clears throat> and there were a lot of little God things in there. So this CHP officer just so happened his daughter was in my class a few years before. And they were looking for Nicole's parents. They looked at her cell phone, just said, Dad. They called Dad. My ex-husband's voicemail came on and said, This is Tim, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm I'm unable to come to the phone, leave a message. He's like, Oh, her teacher had a last name like that. Drove 40 minutes to get to me to see if I was Nicole's mother. Oh, my gosh. Right. That is so scary Mm -hmm. and crazy. It's crazy. It's really weird. It's a little... I mean, that's like, what else would you call that other than God, like, giving you a little prophetic vision? I think he was preparing my heart. Yeah, exactly. To prepare your heart. He was preparing my heart. And I wondered, would we be celebrating Christmas or would we be burying our daughter? Oh, my gosh. And she woke up on Christmas. She woke up on Christmas, could not speak. She Well, she talked this little gibberish, like something an alien would say. There was no understanding it. And she could, her face looked like a Picasso painting. Her eyes were all cattywampus. Mm. She only had one half of her face worked. Um, she couldn't swallow. She was on a <clears throat> she was on a feeding tube. They finally she yanked that out while she was in the coma, though, in the middle of shift change. While she was tied down, 
yanked everything out and oh caused her. And they were thrilled. They said, this means her brain is working. She's functioning, that she can think to even do this. So, yeah, what was the prognosis up to that point and after well, she woke up? And... They said, well, she was 18, and that was, if she had been 25, it would have been way worse. Really? The brain continues to grow. The neurons in the brain continue to grow till we're about 24 years old. Mm. And if you reach an age after that, there's not the same growth ability. It's now not she's as plastic. No. And she wasn't wasn't completely healed. I mean she never will. She'll always have issues. But she um there was there were months of rehab. We were she was in eight inpatient rehab for eight weeks, learning everything over again. Outpatient rehab for eight months. Twice a week I would drive an hour and a half each way to take her to rehab. So a year almost of yeah. recovery. And, and then she was back to school. Whoa. Um, she went back to school the following year. Everything seemed like it was normal. And it was right at Christmas Day. My husband said, I don't want to be married to you Christmas anymore. Day. Yeah, he was a real winner. <laughs> you yeah. guys have a rough Christmas. I know. Like, that's a I lot. Know. Two Christmases in a row. Here. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. So, and then my mom, that day, I, my mom was doing well. My birthday is at the end of January. My brother and I were both January babies, one year apart. And... My mother was doing well, and by my birthday was the last time she was able to um, leave the house because she started really going downhill fast. After? After that Christmas, right after my husband left. After your husband left. Okay. So when do you feel like your faith strengthened? Was it through this process? Mm -hmm. Was it after this? Absolutely. When he left me, I hit my knees, literally hit my knees. I have been trying to hold on to control. Mm. You want everything to be perfect. You want to, you know... You want everything to be going the way, and the harder you hold on to that control, the tighter you hold on, the harder it is to keep it. It just slips away. Right. And so I realized that I had been hanging on to a lot of control, and I couldn't do it anymore. I just got on my knees and I said, God, I don't know what I've been doing all these years, but I am messing up royally, and I will do anything you ask me to do. Just please bring something good in my Mm -hmm. life. And that following week, one of my best friends I taught with came over and said, Jennifer, uh, my church is starting a new um, Bethmore Bible study. Do you want to come with me? Mm. And I'm like, that's the perfect thing that I need. And I said, who's Bethmore? Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. So I started. What was the study? It was on the book of John. And here's another, just God is just, I'm telling you, God is amazing. It's the, I've been in, you know, you start Bible studies and you don't stop. Right. It's just a way of life. So I've been in several Bible studies. Mm-hmm. I even taught some Bible studies. But that was the only one where the facilitator on the first night said, I want you to write a letter to God. I want you to tell him what you hope mm-hmm. will happen in your life between now and four months from now when the study will end. Wow. And so we, I wrote my letter. I hoped my marriage would be restored, and I wanted my mother to be healed. We sealed our letters up. We t- taped them to the inside of our study guide, <clears throat> and we waited four months later. And by the time that study was over, I knew my mother wasn't going to survive. And I knew my marriage was over. What but do you I had do with faith. that? I had faith because I saw God was going to do something mm-hmm. with it. So think about this. Had I not been going through the divorce, had I not been divorced, and my kids both moved with my husband down to Sacramento because Nicole had to go back to school and my son is musically talented and they had a program down there he really wanted to go to. So they're all gone. So for the first time in my entire life, I'm living by myself. Oh my goodness. Me and my dog, basically. <clears throat> and But I could go to my mom and my dad's place every weekend to be there, to take my mom to chemo, to spend time with them, to mm-hmm. love on my mom. I would not have had that time mm. 
I wouldn't have had that time with her. And it was, it was really important because she had questions about her, her salvation. Mm. And I'm doing the studies, and I'm able to talk to her. And by the time she died, my mom had that Bible in her hand every single waking moment. She was reading it. Mm. She was studying it. She was ready to go. She had complete faith that she was going to be with Jesus. And mm. she was, it, it was just a gift to be able to have that time with her. I would not have had otherwise. So that's redemption. And <clears throat> mm-hmm. did you see it then? Or did you I, see it only in reflection? I saw it a little bit then. I was angry for a long time with my ex-husband. And not even because, I mean, even, I mean I'm married now to the most godly, gentle, Amazing generous guy. man in the world. This man is bar none. I, have, I could not have more respect for anybody and right. love anybody more than I do him. And it wasn't that I, you know, it's not like, oh, he left me and I was left with nothing. Yeah. But it's a betrayal. And it's really hard to to imagine. You you go through now you go through all these Bible studies about marriage, mm. and you see what what Paul the apostle is exhorting husbands and wives to do, and you see where that failure was. And for a long time, I pinned it all on him. Sure. And it took some time and some stepping away to say, yeah, I had my own part to play in that. You know, he was broken, I was broken. His way of dealing with it was different than my way of dealing with it, but God redeemed it. And I can I complain now? Absolutely not. Right. No, you I have just can't. Excellent marriage. And my children adore my husband. Which my, is uncommon. My daughter even calls him dad. Wow. I know. And she has her own dad. She's got a relationship with him. But she, my kids love my husband so much. Um, they would sit down and spend more time with him than with me. He's given great. A chance. Yeah. I can say. He's pretty cool. I don't know yeah. him all that well, but. He's pretty great. Very great. I know you better than <laughs> all that. Um, so we see redemption in your daughter is healed to the best extent the that best she could extent be. that she could be um, I've met her also you would not know that she walked through this trauma um, you didn't at the time that we're talking about all this kind of coming to a pinnacle know yet that your son had been abused I did not know so that came to be later in the story mm-hmm. how did that come out and how were you in a obviously more strong position in your faith at that point I'm sure that helps huge but your son is not in that same place of the faith yeah. walk, which is, I can only imagine as a mom how challenging that is, but also going through hard things without faith is right. <clears throat> just feels really impossible to me now yeah. <laughs> that I have faith. So how did that play out as you found that out later, feeling like a whole nother, you know, bad thing is now happening to, to you after some, some redemption and restoration? Well, it's, it's interesting. Um, I was, I remember I was sitting up in my office writing mm-hmm. and I, my son was on the phone with me. He calls all the time. I, I would worry if I were to die, I don't know where his anchor would go. <laughs> I don't know why his, his girlfriend's like, I love my mom too, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> so he, we talk probably almost every day. And, um, so I was on the phone with him and I had another call come through and I said, I got to get this. I'll call you back. Mm. Well, it was a sheriff's um, detective from Amador County up in that area, mm. and they um, they were doing an investigation on a priest that had been the priest in our church, and he said, somebody that you know, I can't tell you who, um, her son was sexually abused by this priest, and she says she believes your son was too, mm. and I want to know if I can come speak with you about it, and if, if we can talk about it, and he and I said, 
Yeah. Well, Christopher had mentioned like a couple of years before that something had happened. He believed he had been abused, but he, he couldn't pull all of it together. Um, he tried to go into the military, but he would have these horrible panic things where they ended up where he was, he was, it was PTSD really bad, mm. but he didn't know what was causing that. Sure. So, <clears throat> so I, I sensed there it was a possibility. What so. is that like getting that news as a mom? Like, what do you do with that? Like you, you I felt like I was going to, I felt like I was going to die. You know, how do you, I called him back and I, I said, Christopher, I said, this is, I got this phone call. This is what they say. Is it a possibility? And it was dead silence oh. for all of 10 seconds. And he goes, um, yeah. Did he know then? He started like, to, started to put pieces together. Um, I asked the detective, I said, can you speak with whoever you were talked to? Ask if I, if you can reveal who this person mm -hmm. is so that we can, I can talk to her. And I told Christopher on the phone, I said, apparently somebody from our school, their son was abused and she believed you were also were abused. And he said, oh, it's so-and-so. He knew. It was his math teacher. Mm. And I said, how do you know that? He goes, I just know. It's, it's her. Oh, wow. Sure enough, it was her. So it all lined up. So um, the detective came and talked. This woman called me and said, I have a lawyer. Um, she found out her son was sexually abused because she walked into her garage and found him hanging himself. Oh, my goodness. And he was screaming about being abused when they were taking him to the psych ward. And that's how she found oh out. Oh, my gosh. So um, she said, I have this lawyer. <clears throat> this is what he does. Uh, can I have him give you a call? And I said, sure. Turned out this lawyer, this is really bizarre. So two years prior, Christopher, my son, had sent us a, a video. I think it was called... Um, see no evil or something like that and it was about a priest we had a previous in our church that same church before we moved there mm -hmm. who had been in prison for sexually abusing all mm. these kids and the lawyer that was spearheading the whole thing was the same lawyer oh my gosh and so now here he is he flies to jackson in his private plane with his cowboy hat cowboy boots and Love flannel it. shirt total down-home guy <laughs> multi-millionaire but you would never know right. and he hated he was molested himself oh, as a wow. child and he went after Pedophiles. That's what he did. That's a weird restoration and redemption. <clears throat> I know. I know. So he, um, working with Christopher, realized that his abuse was pretty significant. He was very articulate, very intelligent, and he ended up being the poster child for everything. So he went through six years of the trials, of the depositions, of oh. everything, which did not help him in the least. Oh, bit. I'm sure. <clears throat> so. Um, and this young boy, when all was said and done, this other boy that was um, sexually abused, that was trying to hang himself, um, was dead. Mm -hmm. So he had tried to commit suicide several times and finally died hang gliding one day. So he was gone. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't, you know. And Christopher, just so you know, when he was little, he, I've never seen anybody who loved Jesus more than he did. Sure. He loved Jesus. He thought, he talked about him. Kids would do something mean, and he'd say, you know, Jesus wouldn't want us doing things like that. He, mm. We would put him in karate just to keep him from getting beat up. And now he says he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a belief in, he's not even sure he believes in God. And why would God send people, why would God allow people to be born only to send them in hell if they don't do what he wants? Mm. So we're wrestling through that. Sure. But if I say I'm praying for you, he goes, thank you, Mom. I really appreciate it. Keep praying. Mm. So I, yeah. there's a glimmer. Absolutely. You know, it may not happen in my lifetime, but there's a glimmer. Do you feel like this is connected? Oh, yeah. He yeah. says no, but how can it not be? Right. 
when when you're a child and you're sexually abused and you think Jesus, you know Jesus is God mm-hmm. and he's your best friend. Yeah. Then this how happens. do you make that how right. do you and you can say as an adult, uh, no, I don't I didn't I never believed that. But I know for a fact that's not true. Right. So gosh, I mean, that is a hard thing to reconcile. I know that I have walked through sexual trauma in my past, not as a believer, so kind of the opposite situation. Where now I can look back and see purpose there and redemption in that. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is why we're doing this episode. Why do bad things happen to good people? This is a massive stumbling block for mm-hmm. non-believers and believers. And what I found, and actually I've recently had a discussion with two separate self-declared atheists. And both were very aggressive conversations from their side towards me. And... Ultimately, the the crux of it was the same. Not that you don't believe in a God, but that you wonder why the God that you believe in is bad or evil or not good or what have you. It's a question of God's goodness, not a question of God's existence. Right. Which, of course, then they back up. No, 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 I don't even think he exists. I'm like, no, no, all the issues you have are with bad things happening to undeserving people. That's why you're questioning God's goodness and his existence because he can't be good and existing or he can't be existing and good right these things are connected in in the natural in so many ways from our perspective right but we we live in a sinful world world yeah god yes god is he has he allows things to happen right i would put it that way he allows things to happen and have i struggled with it sometimes absolutely yeah but he doesn't cause those things to happen we live in an evil world and there are evil people and to say that it's God's fault that it happens is just wrong. I, I mean, part of it is the idea we want to live in perfection, but He gives us free will. Mm-hmm. And if 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 He were the, you know, you could say, okay, well, if if God would just make everything perfect for us, if He's a good God, well, then that's not free will anymore. Right. That means that we don't have a choice. He wants us to come to Him of our free will. Right. That's our choice. Yeah. Now you could choose to say, I don't care about God. I reject Him. That's fine. He will protect your right to do that. He will protect your right to do that. But the, the reality comes down to it. I just, I don't know. What do you think about if God doesn't exist or, or if God, you know, if God doesn't exist, where do you think we all came from? Where right. do you start? You start yeah. And I personally, for me, have seen sign after sign after sign. When you are in a deep personal relationship with Jesus Christ, he talks to you through the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. He redeems all those things. You know, years ago, I was at a, a conference with my husband. It was called the Storyline Conference, and it was put on by a man named Donald Miller. And I don't know, people may not remember him, but he was pretty popular probably 20 years ago for a book called Blue Like Jazz. Mm-hmm. And he does a lot of marketing and branding now. He's a Christian man, and he uses your story to brand. So one of the things that he had us do at this conference, and it wasn't a branding conference. It was more like writing your story. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you want your story to end? And he had us put this big timeline out and there was a, a line that went across this timeline and on, on the bottom part of it, you put negative things that happened in your, in your life. And on the top, you put the positive. And when you took the time to lay it all out there, when we took the time to lay it all out there and you stand back and you look at this good thing couldn't have happened if this bad thing mm. hadn't happened. And this couldn't have happened if I hadn't learned this in this bad thing. Right. And every connection of good 
of blessing upon blessing came from a place of pain and grief mm. and growth. We don't grow in comfort. Right. If your life is all perfect, what do you need God for? Really? I mean, right. why would you need him? We right. need him to get us through the hard stuff. And nowhere in the Bible does it say we are not going to go through hard things. It's the opposite. But it says we're going to be, he's going to be there through that right. hard stuff. So you can confidently say that all of these trials brought you closer to the Lord. Absolutely. Which is, in the end, what he's after is relationship and restoration between us and him. Right. And <clears throat> our eternity. Right. And this was so critical to me in my journey. My husband said that God will do whatever he needs to do. Absolutely. On this side of eternity to ensure we're with him on that Absolutely. side of eternity. And oftentimes it is bringing us to our knees. And it does. if crisis one and crisis two and crisis three doesn't bring us to our knees, crisis four surely will. And oftentimes those things happen in succession for that reason right. because it brings us more rapidly to the end of ourselves. Well, we're rebellious. We yeah. want to weigh things our way. Right. We really do. And and if you want to if you want to feel bad about anybody, look at Jesus Christ and mm. what he suffered. Right. I mean, we can't. Yeah. He. They're the only good person. Ever that walked this earth is Jesus Christ, and He suffered things we cannot even imagine. Voluntarily, voluntarily yeah. went to the cross so that we would have our relationship with God. So He covers our sins for us. Does that make us perfect? No. No. Well, I love this. Actually, just came to my mind as you were talking. This idea that you can be the most excellent, safe driver on the road. Like mm -hmm. you can just be. Never pick up your cell phone and always go the speed limit and you cannot prevent some other person from exactly. crashing into your vehicle. So it's not just this idea that, you know, God is here to put a bubble around you and escort you safely to the other side. It's like actually sometimes what other people are walking through and God is bringing them, them through or to the end of themselves crashes into your course right. and there's a lesson for us in it. Um, what is so sad is when those crashes and derailments lead us away from God. Right. And I would like to think that there's more yous out there than Christopher's in this context of, you know, people that are drawn closer through trial to God. But gosh, I feel like in so many cases it's the opposite. And I do think that's our rebellious heart and our, our flesh being offended. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm offended by the thing you allowed to happen Because we're to entitled. Absolutely. We think we're so entitled. and the Which is the garden. Is, yep, exactly. I am going to take of this tree because exactly. why are you trying to keep something away from me? Don't you want me to know this that you know, this knowledge of good and evil? And now we're like, oh man. Actually, my son said, my eight-year-old said the other day as we're working in the garden, he's his brain is thinking about toiling to grow <laughs> food and you know, struggling with the earth. And he said, gosh, it would be so embarrassing to be Adam and the whole world knows you messed up. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, that's sweet. But you know, here's the thing. If Adam hadn't messed up, right. somebody else would have. Because yep. then you have Cain and Abel. And then you yep. have, you know, there, and God knew that was going right. to happen. That was the whole plan. I mean, not that he planned for him to mess up, but he knew he was going to mess up. Yep. And that, people think that, in fact, I have a sister. My, I have three sisters, but my, one of my sisters, I remember her making a comment one time when, I was telling her that my, my son doesn't believe in the Bible anymore. And she's like, well, why would he? And she goes, I said, what do you mean? Well, God, I mean, it, new covenant, old covenant, just changes his mind in the middle and it's a whole new Bible. And right. I'm like, uh, no. 
That's not quite. So, but the problem is, you raised most people raised in the Catholic Church. You never open the Bible. How you can't? Don't start spouting off right. stuff that you heard from somebody else that you have not found Understood out from for yourself. yourself. Yeah. And people can pick and choose scripture out of context, and they can make it up to be whatever they want. Yeah. But it's you know, if you really want to know the word, you have to be in the word. Right. And if you you know, I, it's like I told my daughter when she was eighteen. She didn't before she was eighteen. She didn't want to vote. I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna vote. I couldn't care less. I blah blah. I said, well, then you you can't complain. And yeah. she says, what do you mean? And I said, you have no right to complain about anything in the government if you are not going to step up and do your part. Mm -hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Period. And it's the same thing with the Bible. You want to start griping about God unless yeah. you know who He is. Mm. You really don't have a right. That's good. That's very true. So many of and a lot of people, not just you know, obviously wasn't raised Catholic. I wasn't raised in the church at all. But I wanted to take what I understood about the world and apply it to God without right. ever having tried to understand God and apply it to the world, right? So we do that very well, and that's all in the enemy's great deception of all of us, too. Um, and actually, in my conversations with these two atheists um, recently, it became very clear to me that the enemy would have us believe in nothing at all. Not him. The enemy does not want us to acknowledge and worship him. I mean, he oh, does, right? But he'd rather we just believe in nothing at right. all because then he wins in the end and then he gets you forever. But it's it's so clear that people have such a desire to reject that accountability, reject the fact that there is a, a power greater than ourselves, mm -hmm. a will beyond our own, right? This is, it's challenging and that's why it says to wrestle with it, mm -hmm. you know, with, with, throughout our life and, and get to the meat and potatoes of it. But well, you, but you're going to worship whether you know it or not, you're going to yes. worship one or the other. If you're not worshiping God, Satan's got you. Right. So you, you may not think you're worshiping him, but your mindset and the way that you are, he's winning. Right. It's funny because someone said that to me also that why would he want us to worship him? That's weird. I'm like, well, that's only weird through your context but think about humans our nature is to worship mm -hmm. we think about elvis think about in my mm -hmm. case in sync just <laughs> like we are natural worshipers we are. we are where we just get so enthralled or i mean things things absolutely houses and, jobs right. degrees cars silly silly kids yeah. we worship all kinds of things it's in our nature to do that right we do. and that all the job is to just redirect all that worship where it where it is responsibly given because any other place worship is given is irresponsible and leads us astray essentially to self-worship, you know? Right. Um, so kind of to shift gears, I love that part of your redemption in all of these issues is the way that you've brought this into your art of writing and this for the audience, this is how we're connected is right. through a writer's right. group. <clears throat> and so we meet every other week and edit each other's work. And so, um, I've loved reading all of your stuff up till now. And I, I've said this too many times. My favorite thing of mine is yet to even be in print. So I can't even yet refer the audience <laughs> to the thing you just completed. And what is that title? When does that come out? Shadow Dancing, not till April. Not till April. So you guys have got to get, just be ready for shadow dancing. Because I love the way, as a writer, I write nonfiction, you write fiction. Right. But you're able to bring your own experiences into a fiction story where it can become personal to other people right. without it being personal to you necessarily obviously it is you're bringing in your personal experience well, without preaching to people 
Right, but you're not writing a nonfiction right. book about your personal no. experience. I you're use doing it in I use those way. experiences to inspire the emotion. Yeah. Well, a couple of my stories were inspired directly, but it's mostly the emotion. And you know, God put. I remember being 12 years old and wanting to write mm. and struggling with that because I had nothing to write about. Mm. You know, and then, when, <laughs> and then when I wrote those first few books, I I had an agent for a time. This is another whole story, but I had an agent for a time, and she said you have to write what's at your core. Every writer has to get mm. to their core, what their core message is. And I said, well, I'm a little concerned because here I have these books. Does that mean I have to keep going through hard stuff? And she mm. said, well, tell me your story. And she goes, girl, you've got enough hard stuff to last you a lifetime. Yeah, I, don't think you have to, I don't think you'll have to actually <laughs> live through any of it. You can pull from that and still be able to um, communicate the emotion that goes on in somebody's heart and mind and soul when they're struggling with hard things. Right. So, and forgive me if I'm getting the timeline off because we read stuff and then it goes, a different book is published. I'm like, oh gosh, I'm like writing beast. I'm writing so many at one so time. So many at one time. It's confusing. Your most recently published book, I believe, is the one where you have a character that commits suicide. No, my most recent book came out last month and it's my first Southern fiction. It's Night Songs. Okay, Charlie, that's the one we just, Charlie, I didn't get to yeah. the end of that one, right? Yeah, Charlie. Okay, Charlie okay. And so Dara the one right before that, that's the one I'm that's reading Providence. now. Providence okay. is Providence. the one. <clears throat> you have a character that commits suicide. In the one you just that just came out, you have a mother dying of cancer, which right. I don't know if that's um, drawn from your personal experience, but you obviously have a mother that died of cancer. I do. You've had a, a novel with a character with a traumatic brain injury. Uh-huh. Illusions. It's about right. a pastor's family. Have you written about sexual abuse? Um only very slightly. Um, I that's a that's a subject. So when I wrote Providence, I really struggled because Providence is the one. It's with suicide and it's with mental health right. issues, mm-hmm. and it's a scary thing to put out there because they're taboo yeah. in the church. Yeah. And so when I have Christians reading them and then they're reviewing them, I'm always concerned about what's going to come hmm. back and bite me. You know. Hmm. Um, because of the way that you're handling it? Or what are you, what are you concerned Just, about? I think I'm concerned that people will be offended by it. But mm. what I found out with Providence is I had several reviewers come back and say, I have struggled with this my whole life mm. and never did anybody in the church hear me. Mm. More people need to hear this. More people need to be aware that you can't just tell somebody if you had more faith, you wouldn't have mental oh, issues. That's good. If you had more faith, you wouldn't commit. You wouldn't think about committing suicide. It's not how it works. Oh, I've heard that from my own pulpit. So, not that specific statement, but that same that same, that same kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, and then even with the illusions, the the one I inspired by my daughter, the the crux of that is a family who's imploding because of the the impossible expectations the congregants put on that family. Mm -hmm. They're not perfect. Their son gets into trouble. Therefore, he doesn't deserve to be a pastor. He can't control his own home. Mm. And the father is then striving to, in his own power to change that and be the perfect family everybody wants. And it just almost destroys their family. Right. So it's taking those tidbits, you know, the suicide. The character was never actually in the book. He dies at the very beginning. So, and the, the traumatic brain injury, the part of that that's real is only the part where the, the teenage daughter gets in a car accident when she's rushing off to go tell her father that her mother was, she had cheated on him, mm. that she discovers from way past before they were even married, mm-hmm. but she's in that accident. And so everything that happened in that situation, in that story of the accident and the hospital and the recovery all actually happened to my daughter. And you know that? Crazy. I had a, yeah, I had a... 
journal that I oh. took the, I took notes right from my journal. So wow. living through it and then putting it into the book. Right. So, uh, which is like you said, with your one reviewer, so much redemption is brought to other people through your ability to do that. So it's oftentimes we learn through other people's experience, mm -hmm. like we said, with the car coming and crashing into your perfect path on mm -hmm. the on the freeway, <clears throat> sometimes that's the best way for us to learn a lesson is not necessarily with our own stumbling, but learning from someone else's exactly. stumbling or trials or whatever they had to walk through. When some, and sometimes our stumbling is going to be helpful to somebody else. It's right. not all about us. Yes, exactly. What if God is putting us through something for somebody else's good? Right. You know, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 talks about the comfort that we get from Jesus Christ. We are then to use to comfort yeah. other people. Mm -hmm. When we've gone through it, then we're there to, to comfort someone else right. in that same situation. But, you know, we, we just think the world revolves around yeah. us. You know, every bad thing that happens is all about us. Right. Other people learn from that. That's so good. But I love in your, your book that's coming out in next April, we have to wait <laughs> so long for it, um, is there's so many things you touch on in that book, and I don't want to spoil it for everybody ahead of time because there's so many books for you all to read before that one even comes out. But just these the way that you're able to position things in a fictional context to get people to think about really hard things mm -hmm. that... In real life, you're not able to say that to somebody mm -hmm. that might be walking <laughs> because they think you're judging them. And it would be, yeah, wildly inappropriate to say something like that when someone's in the midst of hurt, you know. But you can write a book about it that mm -hmm. someone who's in the midst of hurt can read and be very challenged by that. Because, it, well, and it's, it's, it's not about them and it's not preached to them. The character is going through a really, a really real thing for them, right. and so you can't say, "Oh, well, they're just telling me how it." Well, they're not. It's not you. Yep, exactly. But if you can find yourself, fiction. if you can find yourself in the character, <laughs> that that's the power in it, right there. Can, oh. we, can we learn through what somebody else is going through? Right. Amazing. So, so many, so many books. How many do you have in print now? Okay, I have um, four novels. I have um, six novellas. A seventh novella comes out in July. Two more come out in November. So then I'll have eight novellas. So I'm doing a novel a year, two novellas, sometimes three in between. And a novella is a short novel. It's a, short, it's a shorter novel, yeah, okay. depending on what my publisher asks of me. Um, we, we were doing a special Christmas collection, so I did my first historic fiction. Set all had to be set in a castle, so several authors oh, are fun. getting together. They're each writing their own novella. But it has to be set in a castle at Christmas time. So I found a, an actual castle in Ireland that I used um, with a historical fiction right after the famine, the potato famine of Ireland. So I brought that into Very the picture. Cool. So that was kind of fun to that do. That is fun. Yeah. So, so, much. so yeah, a lot coming on. And then um, yeah, I just turned in Shadow Dancing. I just mm -hmm. turned in my publisher the first of this month. So I love it. And I, I mean, I know how it ends because you told me, but I didn't read how it ends. And this is the funny thing about being in a writer's group is oftentimes you turn it in before I'm done we with do. it. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, what happens? Uh, so then I have to go get it and read well, all of the rest of it. When you have so 40 good. chapters, you don't have 40, you know, 80 weeks to go through things I with know. your critique group. That's so true. Very true. So kind of in closing, how would you, you know, reflect on the question, why do bad things happen to good people? I know we've kind of touched on it throughout the conversation and, and, you know, maybe before you answer this came to my mind that I was chatting with a, a gal yesterday actually and in reflection on 
my own trauma and things that I've walked through. And we've talked about this also being engaged in the word of God Mm -hmm. and actively seeking out knowing Mm -hmm. who he is and the character of God. I can say that I've come to a place where I know God is good. Like I know, like Mm -hmm. I know, like I know. So when you understand the character of God, and it's hard to say this to someone who maybe doesn't, it doesn't resonate as much, but this is where I've come to a place where when these bad things happen, I know God is good. And so I can trust this is for my good. Right. I don't know why or how. And I don't know if I will know why or how on this side of eternity, but I can trust it is for my good or the good of someone in my sphere that is also experiencing this alongside me. And that brings its own level of peace. And I do think sin is instructive. I do think, you know, stumbling and doing the wrong thing teaches us. Sometimes it's the best teacher of how to do the right thing. And I was using the example of some kids, you can just tell them not to touch the stove and that'll be enough. Some kids have to touch the stove to right. really understand. And which kid, in the end of the day, knows more yeah. well, <laughs> about why we don't touch well, the I stove? I had a pastor who used to say, you can either live and learn or learn and live. Oh, there you go. You know, that's exactly you right. Choose, you choose. Right. You know. So that's kind of my perspective on why bad things happen. And again, I know that's not always like helpful for someone walking through. But I do, and I can say there's purpose in it. But what? How would you answer that question? I think you answered it really well. But the reality is, if if we're focused so much on God doing bad things, what is our alternative? Hmm. I mean, what is your alternative? So you're not going to believe in God, or you're going to hate God for allowing bad things to happen. Where does that take you? Hmm. What does that benefit you in any way? Right. Because most of the time we want to benefit ourselves. And I know there are a faction of people, and I'm not saying your listeners are one of them, Mm -hmm. that will find any excuse to not believe. And they'll grab that one because they've heard it from someone else. It doesn't necessarily mean they believe that. Or have they really really delved into it? Um, It's just interesting because I think sometimes we don't even take the time to study we, we are going to say we believe something, but we don't really have anything to back it up. We're just right. listening to what somebody else has told us. And I think it's important, you know, you're, you're responsible for your walk. Yeah. You know, your kids are responsible for their walk. No one is going to go into heaven on the tails, mm. you know. Which is the, hard as a parent. It is a extreme, believe me, it's extremely <laughs> hard. I would drag my son if I could. <laughs> But nobody's going to go in on their own. But if you really if you really get to know the character of God and you know his will, and God's will is that every person is saved. Yeah. That's his will. Yeah. Every person is saved. If you are struggling because someone you love is not saved, pray for them. Yeah. You know, don't give up on that prayer because God always answers your prayer with a yes if it's his will. And it's, and it's always his will. his will that they'll be saved. That's a good word. Absolutely. So... But yes, bad things happen to good people. I'm. He might save them through a trial. He might, and and who's and you know what? We're none of us are good, right? On all, every one of us falls short. So none <laughs> of you, you can be. I don't care. There have been some pretty amazing people in the past. Um, the man who wrote it as well with my soul. Mm-hmm. You know, you see these people mm-hmm. that are phenomenal and they have a love for God and they lose everything. Yeah. You know, look at Job, the most right. righteous person in the Bible, you know, and he lost everything, but he did not lose his faith in God and God redeemed it all. Absolutely. That's a great story in terms of, I mean, maybe not why, right? but <clears throat> redemption. Yeah, the why is a little tough. The why is like, a little, why is a little tough to take. <laughs> I like Joseph and the amazing Joseph. Technicolor Dreamcoat, right? His... 
you can clearly see the why uh-huh. in that story, despite all, I mean, he's got a story like you, like yeah. one bad thing and then another bad thing and it's not his fault and he didn't do it and he doesn't deserve it. And then at the end, he gets I love everything. that he can even say it. Even in that moment, he sees God sent me ahead of you. Right. He doesn't say God dragged me through all this crap no. to get here. He said, God sent me ahead of you. That's such wisdom. And, and, and he says what you meant for evil, God meant yes. for good. And that's what we have to hang on to, you know, there are people that are evil, especially this minute in history. (laughs) We need to hang on to that. They're all, the only hope we have is in, is in the person of Jesus Christ. There is no other hope. Amen. So where can everybody find you? Where, where do they find your books? Where do they follow you? Where do you send them? Well, you can go to my website, jennifersiennas.com. You can sign up for my newsletter. I'm on Instagram, Jennifer underscore Siennas. I'm on Twitter. Same thing. I'm on Facebook, Jennifer Sienna's author. Um, you can look up my, I have a reader's group that you can look Ooh. up, which I have probably almost 700 people in that reader's Whoa. group right now. So they get, they get little specialty things. That's cool. Um, yeah, you can find me pretty much everywhere. Okay. I'm doing a Goodreads giveaway for night songs right now. I was kind of shocked. I don't know if you know much about Goodreads giveaways, no. but you go on there and you put your book on there and you offer three people a paperback book and a book box of little goodies to get. I did it with um, Illusions that had almost 2,400 people sign up. Wow. I did it with Providence and had 2,200 people sign up. So it's on there with Night Songs now, and it's only been on there for a few days, and I've already got almost 1,400 people signed oh up for it. Oh my gosh, that's so, so cool. <clears throat> I know, it's kind of cool, because that means that they, it, the only thing you have to do is put it in your want to read list. That's all you have to do, and then you're in the drawing. So it's mm. kind of fun to do that. But yeah. Yeah, you can find me anywhere. Okay. Cool. And we'll link all that in the show notes. So thank you so much for coming and being so vulnerable with all of your craziness, (laughs) all your crazy story. (laughs) The redemption story, right? The redemption story. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Father God, I just pray for perspective, your heavenly perspective on this question. Why do bad things happen to good people, Lord? I just pray that you would grant us perspective into Jen's testimony, perspective into our own trauma and trials that we have walked through or are walking through, Lord. I just pray for your peace as we all navigate these, you know, trials in our lives and as we ask this question of ourselves and try to reconcile the world as we see it with your goodness, Lord. Just give us your heavenly perspective and guidance and peace in all these things. We ask this in your son's holy name. Amen.